Hi, Juliet here with a quick message before this episode starts. Everything you need to be more strategic amid the busyness of the school term is contained in the 170 plus episodes of this podcast. But sometimes you can get there a bit faster with some personalised help. I host a termly online workshop specifically designed to help the support staff within schools to make the shift from being reactive to strategic. Our next workshop is coming up soon and we're going to be reflecting on how things have gone this academic year and strategising for the academic year to come so that you can confidently prioritise your workload, overcome the obstacles that are holding you back and redirect your time and focus onto your priorities. At the end of the session, I promise you're going to be feeling more energised, ready to hit the ground running with a clear plan of action. This term's workshop is going to be run on Thursday the 16th of May, and you can find out more and book your place at www.consultjuliet.co.uk slash plan. I hope to see you there. Now, let's launch into this episode. Everyone assumes that the end result of a strategy development process is a strategic plan. Yes, to some extent, but actually what matters is as a team, you're thinking strategically. Welcome to the Independent School Podcast. Thinking and acting strategically is the key to both securing the future of your school and helping to build a more equal and just world. My name's Juliette Corbett. I'm a consultant, speaker and facilitator specialising in helping independent schools. In this podcast, I translate tried and tested strategy and fundraising techniques into a language that works for schools. So if you're a senior leader in a private school and you want your daily work to feel less exhausting and more strategic, and if you want once more to feel the joy of making the world a better place through education, then you're in the right place. Welcome and let's get started on this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode where we're talking about how strategy feels and how it generates clarity and confidence. There are a lot of blog posts and research papers out there about why you need to generate a strategy for your organisation or team and they almost all focus in on the facts and the figures. And that's great. And they're all true. You do need a strategy. And the evidence shows that organisations with strategy perform better. But if you're trying to persuade people around you to be more strategic, throwing facts and figures at them doesn't always work. Sometimes we need to actually sell an idea by calling to people's emotional state instead and talking about how strategy feels. And so what I'm going to be trying to do this week is talking about the feeling and emotions around strategy, not something that you hear many people talk about. And I'm going to do that by telling you a story about my journey to discovering strategy and how I felt at each stage. And I'm going to spoil the ending by telling you that clarity and confidence is the end result of having a good strategy. I just want to pause for a moment to say thank you to you. The Independent School podcast has now passed its second birthday, published more than 100 episodes and has had over 6,000 listens. As the founder and host of this podcast, I've been really humbled by the number of people who have told me that it's really helped them. From school heads who've rushed up to me at conferences and told me how it's been a real guide for them through tricky times, through to experienced directors of development who have said it reassures them that they're on the right track. So thank you for listening and for all your kind comments along the way. 
If this podcast is helping you, then I invite you to join the 300 people who have asked to get my weekly emails. That way you'll hear about each episode as it's published, as well as the special offers that I only tell people about when they're on my mailing list. So to get my weekly emails, you can go to www.consultjuliet.co.uk slash sign up. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit of a story. Back in the early days of my career, I was working in teams where people worked really hard. They were very committed to the organisation, had a lot of sort of values in common with the organisations they worked for. They were very open to change, new ideas, really innovative, and they wanted to develop as individuals. There was a sense that as a team, we wanted to be open to continuing professional development. So together we created a lot of energy it was a really exciting place to work, but we didn't always know where to focus that energy. So in my case, I was working in a development and alumni relations offices. So we delivered a lot of events for alumni, wrote newsletters, ran telephone fundraising campaigns, delivered big fundraising campaigns and so on. But we weren't all of us always clear how all these things fitted together. And certainly as a more junior member of the team, I didn't really understand how what I was being asked to do was contributing to the overall goal because I was doing things that were very administrative in nature and I didn't really understand that the end result of that was delivering the impact that I really felt was important and for me that was through student support and bursaries. So the end result was a lot of quite uncoordinated energy it sometimes felt quite frenetic activity, a lot going on, a lot of hard work going on. And it felt like we had the flexibility to innovate, which was fantastic. And we could do that as individuals. We didn't have to get a lot of sign off from, from those more senior than us, which was really, really good. But we didn't really always know where we were heading. And so that, that first phase of my career felt like there was a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm, but we didn't really know where we were heading. So let's roll forward a few years and I got the chance to lead my own team for the first time. And I got that bird's eye view that comes with leadership. And I was really proud to see the work that the team that I'd inherited was doing. And they were working really, really hard and they were getting some great results. But I did feel like we were all pulling in different directions. And so unfortunately, and this was not a great example of leadership, my planning instinct went into overdrive. My response to this was seeing a dedicated, really well well performing team, but all pulling in different directions was to over plan on their behalf. So we had more team meetings. So everyone knew what each other was doing each week. We had long to-do lists with targets and we called these to-do lists with targets strategic plans. That was the heading at the top of the document. And each year there was a full plan of everything we were going to be doing that year, along with who was responsible for what, targets, um, kind of milestones for each of those projects. So we all knew where we were going. Then there was definitely a sense that everyone knew how it fitted together and what we were all going to be doing to get there. But unfortunately, rather than bringing a joyful sense of purpose and direction, it actually resulted in a feeling of us feeling constrained by our own planning. We had this constant feeling that we weren't living up to this ambitious plan. The plan pretty much 
outlined everything we could achieve, assuming that everything went perfectly every single time. And that obviously is not reality. Everything does not go perfectly every single time. Sometimes things crop up, shall we say, through a year, which send you a little bit sideways in terms of your timing. And so I constantly felt we weren't keeping up with our own plan. We were being constrained. And so by focusing in on planning, I'd bound us together by the team, but I'd also tethered us to this really rigid plan. And the end result was that everyone knew their role, which is great, better than than perhaps the first phase of my career. But rather than feeling in control, we sort of all felt that we'd lost our spark a bit. We'd lost the opportunity to innovate because if some opportunity occurred during the year, we didn't have the space in our plan to deliver that. And so it was felt very, very constraining. And actually, I think I want to apologise publicly to the people that I was leading back then. I was still honing those leadership skills in that early stage of my leadership career. And I really apologise because I'd misunderstood and I'd gone directly into planning mode, which actually I have to admit is one of my um, default functioning methods. If I feel under strain, I over plan every single time. And I still do it to some extent. So that was phase two of my career, feeling a bit constrained by that planning. Then enter phase three. And I did an MBA with Durham University here in the UK. And I basically had a revelation. (laughs) I realised that even though the documents that I've been creating for my team had the word strategic plan written at the top of them, they were not strategies, they were plans. And I realised then that my natural instinct to overplan, combined with my lack of understanding of what strategy actually was, had meant that I'd gone down this kind of dead end towards this overplanned route towards leadership, and I wanted to do something differently in future. So what I learned is that it doesn't matter what you put at the top of your document. If you call a document a strategic plan, that does not make it a strategy. Strategy should give you and your team a shared direction, so a shared kind of set of goals or vision, and a shared approach for overcoming the key challenges that you face. It isn't about creating a detailed list of everything that you're going to be doing. That's planning. Instead, strategy is about finding an approach that's going to focus your efforts in on the things that matter most. And then in turn, making it clear what you are not going to do. So strategy is a filter for identifying the way that your your overall goals, the key challenges that you need to overcome and the, the accelerators and sticking points that you're facing then identifying a general approach for how you're going to overcome those challenges and harness those accelerators. And that that creates a filter for deciding what you're not going to do as much as focusing in your efforts on the things that you are going to do, because those are the things that matter most. I learned that strategy should not suppress innovation and that my over planning had led us to missing opportunities because we didn't have time and space to innovate. So a strategy needs to harness that innovation on the areas that matter, but make sure there's still time for an innovative approach to what you're doing. I learned that strategy is adaptable, not static. So you can't plan out a whole year or, or heaven forbid, more than one year in absolute detail and then feel like any deviation from that plan is a failure. That is not the approach to take. Instead, you may need to plan out the detail, that's fine, 
but the strategy needs to be adaptable, not static. So you might need to make some mid-year shifts in order to make sure that your plan is still aligned to your overall direction and strategy. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. That is not a failure. That means that you are being adaptable around your strategy and not being tethered to an action plan. And then finally, what I really learned, this is the core thing that underpins everything that I think now about strategy. Strategy is a way of thinking. It's not a document. So I often say that I don't really care what your strategic plan says. And sometimes I say this in a, a kind of governor's away day and I get slightly confused or shock, shocked looks from people because everyone assumes that the end result of a strategy development process is a strategic plan. Yes, to some extent, but actually what matters is as a team, you're thinking strategically. So the plan is a way of communicating your current way of thinking and your general sense about how you're going to be heading together as a team towards those shared goals, that shared vision. But a document that doesn't change is a way of tethering you. And so strategy is a way of thinking. And that sometimes means adjusting and changing the document. And that's a good thing. So now what I do is I apply this new understanding of strategy, which I have to say is much more joyful, much less constrained than my previous approach, which was a much more overplanned approach. So I apply this within my own business and I help clients in schools to do the same within their teams as well as for the whole school strategy um, development process as well. And the end result is that the teams I work with are clearer on their strategic goals that enables them to focus on doing the things that matter really well because they're not trying to do everything. They're trying to do the things that matter and they're going to do them really well. It means that those teams have the confidence to say no to things that are less important that don't fit that strategic goal or haven't passed that strategic filter. And it gives them permission to be confident about adapting plans strategically as they go along. So I'm really happy to have landed in this phase three of my career. So phase one, it felt like I lacked any strategy or planning, really, if I'm honest. Phase two, I went into massive over-planning phase and that was really constraining. Phase three, I felt like I finally landed on this focus, clarity and confidence that comes by understanding strategy. And that is the feeling of strategy. That is why individuals, teams and organisations that have a clear strategy that's understood by everybody have much more clarity to their work. They're focusing in on the things that really matter and have been confident that they're doing the right things and they're confident enough to stop doing some things as well. I'd love to hear if this resonates. This isn't something that most of the business press or the academic literature talks about. I haven't heard anyone else really talk about strategy from an emotional point of view or a feelings point of view. But actually, I think this is really important. And if you're trying to encourage people around you to be more strategic, this might be the message that cuts through if things about the data and the best practice and the evidence hasn't encouraged strategy to become more front and centre at your school. I love to hear your feedback. Let me know what you think. I'll talk to you again next week. Bye bye then. Thanks for listening to the Independent School Podcast the podcast that helps senior leaders in private schools to think and act more strategically. 
both because they want to secure the future of their school and because they want to help build a more equal and just world. You can listen in everywhere that podcasts are available. And if you want to catch up on previous episodes or follow any of the links that I've mentioned today, just head over to www.consultjuliet.co.uk slash podcast.